Hi, Dion. Hey. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, many of you will be aware uh, that Dion had the opportunity to go on a bit of an adventure, and maybe adventure is actually a bit of a cheap word for what you had the opportunity to do. It was more than uh, a vacation or traveling. It was uh, an intentional trip, I think, to learn about God, to learn about missions, to learn about interacting with and serving and being the hands and feet of Jesus to people in all sorts of contexts. You were down in Pittsburgh for a bit, and I think Colombia and Ecuador as well. Yep. So Dion's going to talk a little bit about uh, his experience down there. Uh, so I've got a few questions for you here. First of all, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the different ways in which you did ministry when you were on your YWAM experience? Yeah, uh, there are many different ways that we did ministry um, in Pittsburgh and then also in Ecuador and Colombia. Um, in Pittsburgh, at the school, at the YWAM in Pittsburgh, there are three different tracks. So there's a cosmetology track, um, classic, and then the one I did, which was a basketball track. Um, so each week, each track did different ministry outreaches in Pittsburgh. And so what I was involved in was two nights a week. Um, we did basketball outreach um, in a gym. It was open gym program. So one night was for grades five to eight, and one night was for grade nine to 12. Um, they would come and shoot around for a while. Um, after a bit of that, then we would, uh, one of us DTS, one of us um, students, we would lead a, a devotional with them. And following that, we would do a little small group event um, where they asked us questions. Um, we prayed with them and just kind of helped them through, through struggles in their life, any questions that they had about Jesus and about God, um, which was a lot of variety of questions in that area. Um, yeah, and then we would play basketball after that. Um, just kind of build relationships with them each week, so that was good. Another way we did ministry in Pittsburgh was once a week we would go to University of Pittsburgh and we would um, just evangelize with them. Uh, the school in YWAM is, is known kind of throughout YWAM as being a very uh, evangelistic school. And so that was kind of new for me because I've never really been involved in that much evangelism. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't very comfortable with it at the beginning. It was a lot of just going out and sharing and just talking with people. Um, a lot of people would shut you down and just keep walking by. But there were also a lot of good conversations that happened. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one thing that we did in Pittsburgh, um, and how we did that was with a little tool, it's a little book called the Wordless Book, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, it kind of tells the story of Jesus, of God, through just colors, and so that was something that we would build off of um, when we were talking to, with people. Um, we also took that book and shared in Ecuador and Colombia with that. Um, we had, also had a drama prepared. Uh, it was called Doors, and it's very similar to the drama that our youth group has done in the past, called the Everything Skit. Um, kind of just the person is trying to find meaning to life, and they can't find it in anything except for Jesus. Um, so that drama we would, we would typically do two or three times a day in Ecuador and Colombia. Uh, we would go to a park and just find people and, and ask them to come watch a drama, and then we would share with them afterwards. And then after that, we'd go out and do it again to, in a different park. Um, so it was a lot of... A lot of yeah, drama and evangelizing and just sharing with people. Um, some days overseas or in Ecuador and Colombia, we'd use basketball um, as an outreach. Uh, a few times games were set up, to, set up for us to play in bigger gyms, which was a lot of fun. And then we'd share with them at halftime or we'd share with them afterwards. Um, sometimes we would just go to a park and find people playing and share with them there. Um, I like that, that way of sharing more because it felt more personal to me. We would spend more time with them than just sharing a 10-minute story and then leaving so but yeah we did a lot of different types of ministry cool that's awesome i think i love 
I love the idea that you can use what, what feels like maybe a secular giftedness or, or uh, something that can feel like just a hobby um, as a tool. It really is something that can be used for the glory of God in a really effective way. So the idea of you taking something you love like basketball and using it um, as a gateway to create relationship with people and spread uh, the message of Jesus and his resurrection is a, powerful, is a powerful thing. It's a powerful lesson. I think we can all learn from that, but it's cool that you have that experience. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about the ways in which you feel uh, that you grew the most during your time at YWAM. It was a pretty intensive thing, I think. So. Yeah. Um, kind of the way I would say that I grew the most was like I just shared um, evangelism and just sharing with people. At the beginning, uh, it was very uncomfortable for me. Like I said, I'd never really done that very much, just going out and sharing with people. Um, so it was tough for me because I didn't really know how to, how to interact with people, how to share with them at the beginning. But once I started... I'll trade you. Once I started sharing with people um, and became more comfortable doing it, I really, I did enjoy it um, because, I don't know, it is a message that, that I want everyone to hear. And especially in Ecuador and Colombia, there were a lot of people that had never really heard the, the story of Jesus and the message. Um, but yeah, I, I really had to go out of my comfort zone, especially at the beginning doing that, just going out and sharing with people. Um, another thing is um, where I grew up, grew up in Rosenord, I loved it, but my faith never was really qu questioned. It was kind of normal growing up as a Christian in this town, um, which I loved, but going out and sharing your faith, a lot of people question it, and they, they're like, why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Um, and so I really grew in my faith and my belief and why I believe the things that I do. Um, yeah, it really, it really just made me think about about what I believe and why I believe it, not just because my parents believed it and my church believed it, but really finding what I believe for myself. Awesome. Uh, what do you feel like you learned about God when you were at YWAM and who he is? Um, I'd say I've kind of known this, but he kind of revealed it more to me, was just his faithfulness and his power to provide. Um, what we did overseas was a lot of hard work and a lot of tiring work. Um, and God just provided for us. He, he would give you energy, and he'd give you um, the words you needed to say. And he was just faithful to us the whole time that we were out there. Um, so yeah, I would say that was the biggest thing that he revealed to me. Awesome. And then I have one more question, which is uh, maybe a bit of a lighter one. But tell us about one of the craziest things that happened uh, while you were away. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of crazy things that happened. Um, in total, our team, we saw over 1,600 salvations. Um, 14 rededications and six healings, and uh, I was lucky enough to be in a group of um, one of those healings when one of those healings happened. Uh, me and another girl were, were sharing with a group, and then afterwards we asked if anybody wanted prayer or if anybody had any questions. And a man came up to us that said he wanted prayer. Um, he his eyesight was going, and so uh, we prayed for him. And we told him that um, we were going to pray, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that we were going to do. Um, it was just God's power and his, his faithfulness. And that man was healed of his eyesight, which was, it was amazing to be a part of and to see that. Well, that wasn't light at all. That was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you for sharing, Dion.
Well, good morning. Um, I've appointed as the designated reporter for this morning, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, just something about us. We are a group of amigos who love going to the Dominican Republic for a vacation with a purpose. Um, so every fall, we, uh, late fall, we do a dessert and coffee fundraiser. And um, many of you have been a part of that, supporting us in that way. And this is for uh, the projects that we plan to do in, uh, in January and February when we go. And then uh, we ask God to do the multiplication as he knows the needs we will encounter when we are in the DR. And God is faithful. He blows us away and he's able and he does uh, give us that which we need. And this season, we were able to build three houses for families in need. We also do smaller projects, but for the sake of time, we will con uh, just concentrate on the house builds. The first house was actually built before we arrived in January, as this family of five had their house swept away into the ocean during the hurricane that swept through the area. Um, they were living in a makeshift shelter, but um, were not protected from the elements. We supplied the funds for the house, and the Dominicans built the house under the direction of Nago who is a very dear friend of ours, a church leader, an evangelist by heart, and uh, we work very closely together with him. Uh, this, uh, then we have the finished house here, and um, um, while we were there, we, our group went to see the house, and here you can see the, uh, uh, can we have the next slide? Um, the lady of the house, Oops, that should be the first slide. Uh, the next one. Okay, there is joy in her face, and she could not smile before. Then our, our second uh, project was tearing down this, uh, their old house uh, for this family and uh, giving them a new house. Uh, this was, uh, project was started a few days before we arrived, January 30th. Uh, this house was for Chacha and Carmen, who also had their son, daughter, and granddaughter all living with them. And it's only a two-bedroom house, so I don't know how they figure that. Uh, but uh, Chacha was so excited. Uh, to show Bert, uh, th this is when they were having the open house, to show Bert the indoor bathroom and the tap for the shower. They could now have had water for a shower. So exciting. Um, when we had a dedication prayer for the house and the family, I noticed tears rolling down Chacha's cheeks. Then Nagel uh, told, said, I have a story to tell you. Um, the previous year, uh, Nago had noticed um, a need for a family that desperately needed a house. And um, so then, uh, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of money. And, and Nago was aware that Chacha had slowly been buying bricks and some other rebar to place, uh, replace his own house. 
So Nagel went to Chacha and said, would we be able to borrow some of your bricks? And Chacha's reply was, if it's for the Lord's work, you can have all of it. Nagel then asked, well, uh, how will you replace the bricks? And Chacha replied, the Lord will provide. Little did we know about Chacha's faith when we started building this house. And we asked ourselves, how many of us would have this kind of faith? So the third house was built for a 32-year-old single mom who has a six-year-old daughter. Angelina was a very pleasant server at the resort that we always stay at. And at the end of the stay last year, she asked for my phone number. I was quite perplexed, uh, but I quickly suggest that we communicate through Messenger on Facebook uh, because then I could use, and both of us could use the translation app on that, uh, seeing that both of us, she couldn't speak a lot of English and I could not speak a lot of Spanish. This opened my eyes to the difficult situation she was going through. With not being able to find a job, having a child who was uh, sick a lot and needed an operation, uh, she didn't always have food to put on the table, um, and Angelina herself was struggling with a lot of health issues. And to top that all off, the steel bridge which we drove over last year, um, had collapsed over the river. Um, it had fallen into the river, and this river separated Angelina and the village she lived in um, to the main town and the highway. Um, so there were some challenges. And this picture here shows Angelina had come to Maine Town to, to uh, visit us and uh, had bought some groceries. And here's Bert and Perry, one of the other friends, um, helping Angelina and her daughter across the river. So how would you like to do grocery shopping that way? Our aim was to help Angelina get back to health and move her into town so she had easier access for doctor's appointments and job opportunities once her health improves. Uh, we were able to, find, uh, to buy a lot um, in Montiano, in, in the town, uh, but it had a lot of garbage on there. I think we pulled out uh, three pickup trucks loaded full of garbage. Um, And uh, then we have uh, just pictures of working, um, people uh, mixing cement here. And um, it's all done by hand, it's hard work. And uh, the next picture shows Angelina, her mom and her, and her daughter. Just a beautiful family. And then we have a picture of the, of, uh, the house that she now has. Um, she said to Larry and Pearl Friesen, um, and she said, uh, you know, I feel like I'm having this dream 
this wonderful dream, but one day I'll wake up and find out it's not true. Um, one message that Angelina sent during the year um, said, sometimes I feel like giving up. But in the morning, God wakes me up and he says he loves me. And just a few days ago, she messaged, I am so happy that I have a family in Christ, you and Larry and Pearl. And she has more. I wish I could tell you the stories of people that have received a house or even house repairs and how that has given them a new outlook in life. It gives them hope. And God has used this avenue also to bring people to himself. The smiles, the hugs, the love, the sharing. It is so rewarding to develop relationships with these beautiful people. And God has a plan for each one of us. So we'll, yeah, start off with a video. proverb that says the night is long but our dreams are longer after the earthquake in 2010 there was a lady whose life had been devastated she shared that proverb with me and I've never forgotten it at live different we believe we're global citizens which means we have a responsibility to help people and sometimes that takes us beyond our Canadian borders. We wanted to have a long-lasting impact, so we decided to do that through education, which has brought us to this hilltop in northern Haiti. up on the hill above Cape Haitian. Amazing view right over the whole city. 
At the moment we have four classrooms open and about 177 students. And to see the looks on their faces, to see the excitement of them all receiving an education is huge. I never would have thought kids would have been so excited to go to school. The impact that the school will have on these children won't end the day that they graduate. We're providing them with education and opportunities to make better choices in their lives. The school has big, big impact for the community because they didn't have it. You can imagine at the beginning, they didn't have anything. And they were the, some of them, they had to walk so far from the community to get downtown in the city to find a school. Because now we have that school here, it's closer for them to come and they pay nothing to come on the school. That's make all the people in the community now, they can send the kids to our school. L'importance de l'école ici pour la communauté est extrêmement large. Parce que dans une société comme celle-ci, disons mieux haïtienne, l'école joue un grand rôle. Un rôle pour former socialement les individus qui vivent et dans cette communauté et ensuite pour le bien-être du pays l'école c'est le premier le premier et le dernier personnage qui pourrait nous aider So that's the um, school that Live Different has built in Cap Haitian Haiti uh, Barb and I visited that uh, last week Barb for her first time uh, the construction of the school started in 2008. The first classes, uh, kindergarten and grade one, um, started in 2009. And we currently have 313 children enrolled in the school. And um, it's just, it is um, completely staffed and run by um, a local organization. Um, so we provide the funding for it, but uh, the it is, running quite well. I mean, there needs some direction, especially with projects. We're building projects. Um, we, we bring engineers in, et cetera. But uh, as far as administration of the school, it's all local teachers. And um, the, um, yeah, so, so um, right now the school is kinder, uh, preschool to grade six. And uh, the goal is to the next level of, to, so in Haiti, it's kind of in modules, the next level is grade seven to nine, so for us to get certified to teach grade seven to nine um, is a little bit of a process and it's quite an expense. Also have to hire teachers that have higher levels, levels of education because they'll be teaching sciences, et cetera. The kids in the school it, are taught in Creole, which is their local language that everyone speaks. French is the official language of the country. They're also taught French and uh, the older, class are also taught English. Uh, we also started uh, just since October, well, I'll go back, I'll back up a little bit. In October of 2016, when I was there, um, it was kind of brought to my attention. We saw there's a lot of malnourished kids in the school and in the community, and um, that was quite an urgent concern for us, and so that's, that was kind of what we concentrated on, trying to um, get a kitchen built and um, get funding also from Canada here to start feeding these kids. So we started feeding them in um, October of 2017, one meal a week, and immediately the teachers remarked on how much better the kids were learning on that day especially. Right now we're feeding them four meals a week, 
and um, it was really good for me to see the difference in the kids in the school compared to a year and a half ago, and it was really noticeable difference. It was also really good for me. This is the first time I'd seen the nutrition program in action, and um, the portion. It was really rewarding because these meals cost us a dollar per meal per child, and so we're feeding 300 plus kids. But it was good to see the portions were huge, and also I got to taste the food, and it was really delicious. I mean that was like rewarding on so many different levels. And so yeah, we, we helped serve uh, the kids the, the day we were there. The uh, last trip, so, so we, had, uh, we had a fundraising gala in uh, Winnipeg in September of 2017. And one of the prizes was a trip to Haiti to see the school hosted by myself. And um, Russ and Melita Goosen bought this trip on the auction. And uh, so, we hosted them, took them down there. Um, it was a really amazing trip, and um, it was really powerful to see. Um, so in Haiti, there's not a lot of opportunity for these kids, but anyone with a disability has like so much less opportunity, and really, yeah, a really difficult life. It was good for them to see um, Russ with his disability um, being able to manage well and being successful is a great example to any kids that might have, have a disability, but also a really good example to the able-bodied kids that disabled people are valuable and that they can contribute. And uh, so yeah, that was just a really, that was kind of the highlight of that trip. For me, it was very exciting to go because uh, Carrie's been to Haiti quite a few times. I have never gotten to go, and so it was just... Um, amazing. Thank you for whoever prayed. I was really sick when we left, but it still was really, really worth me going. Um, I fell in love with it instantly. There is incredible poverty. I uh, have rarely seen such poverty. Cambodia was pretty bad, but this was, was worse. And, um, but it was just so amazing to see God at work in the lives, especially the school. I was completely blown away. Carrie had talked about it a lot. was very proud of the the school and the feeding program, and then to see the school myself, to see the um, like the food they got. Care talked about that. There was always meat in each portion as well of um, that they got served, and like seriously, it was just an incredibly inspirational trip. And like I said, I really fell in love with with the country and with the people. Uh, one thing we want to say, and we're very thrilled about, is our Sunday school program has been involved with. Uh, uniforms that the kids have and they're so incredibly cute they're in these pretty little yellow dresses all with pleated skirts and pretty pinafores over ribbons in their hair you could t tell they really took great pride in uh, the clothes that they were wearing the, the boys had beautiful shirts and thank you so much to the Sunday school program and all the Sunday school kids who raised money for this it was just so worth it to see them um, and and they were just glowing the kids, and they were just super excited to be there. It was just so fun to see them chatting, and they sang, did a little program and stuff for us. Or each, each class, when we got introduced, they did a little thing for us. And it was just incredibly special to be a part of that. So the uh, next project that we're planning on starting on in Cap Haitian, and this is actually right close to the site of it, it's above the school. Um, we have plans drawn, and... Uh, 
we're moving forward and building uh, what we call a freedom center. There is um, technically illegal, but um, but very widely accepted form of slavery in Haiti, and it's predominantly young girls. And um, so we're building also through direction from the organization that runs our school. Um, we're building a Freedom Center where we'll be able to accommodate 60 of these girls. And um, also, it's, it's up from the school, so they'll be able to attend school. And um, they'll also be being taught trade classes, et cetera. So that's kind of the next project that we're, uh, that we're starting on there. And that is the end of our, our thing about Haiti. Um, we also today are gonna give you guys slips of papers for uh, the EMC Day of Prayer, which actually was a month ago, but we decided to do it now since it was a missions focus last week and this week. And I will read you a little excerpt or whatever from Tim Dick's uh, letter that he wrote to us. Many EMC missionaries have been sent from our local congregations to serve in nations around the world in obedience to Christ, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask these workers to provide us with the important issues and matters of their lives and ministry so that we can collectively pray for these things. Prayer is simply calling out to God and pleading with him to intercede for these workers and their situations. As I have read through the various prayer requests, I've been moved to call out to God. And even today, too, and last week, you can see how prayer makes such an incredible difference in the lives of the missionaries, the kids that they're ministering to, or the people that they're ministering to. Prayer is so essential. 1 John 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Daniel 9, verse 18, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Psalm 5, verse 3, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. James 5, verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So we'll have people at the back from our missions committee that will be handing out prayer request slips. So they've been gathered by the EMC missions and from all the missionaries all over the world, some in Canada, and then, like I said, from all over the world, uh, for all of you to take home. And we really ask if you guys would um, pray for these people today and throughout the week and throughout the coming weeks. Pray for the slip of paper that you'll receive. There's a little little explanation on each one. And uh, because the people on the slips of paper are all part of the EMC ministry that we are a part of as a conference. Just as we give financially to the ministry of EMC, please give of your time and pray for these missionaries as well. Do you want to stand with us as we sing our closing song? Oh Lord, my God, 
When I in awesome wonder Consider all the words thy hands have 